Well, please turn in your copy of God's Word to Philippians chapter 3, if you're able. And uh, if you are able, please stand for the reading of God's Word. Uh, I will, we'll be focusing this morning on verses 4 to 9, but I'm going to read Philippians chapter 3, uh, verses 1 to 11. Uh, Kids, I have a quick question for you. Uh, Whose word is this? God's word, that's right. Is it my word? No, it's God's word. This is God's holy, inspired, and errant word. Please give it your full attention. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you is no trouble to me and is safe for you. Look out for the dogs. Look out for the evildoers. Look out for those who mutilate the flesh. For we are the circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee. As to zeal, a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in Him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith, that I may know Him and the power of His resurrection and may share His sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection From the dead. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord endures forever. You may be seated. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do ask this morning that you would help us not to sit over uh, your word as those who would judge it, uh, but Lord, that we would sit under your word, that you would teach us by your word and spirit and apply your word. Uh, to our hearts and our minds this morning by the Holy Spirit. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. What is it that you boast in? What is something that you're proud of that you tell to other people, this is something that I'm good at? Maybe a skill or something you have, something that really makes you proud, and you want to tell other people about this thing. Uh, I'm not the most familiar person that you'll meet that's familiar with rap music as a genre, uh, but there's actually a whole genre of rap that's called braggadocio rap, and all it is is rap artists saying, I'm the best at everything, Uh, everything ever. To quote uh, one of the practitioners of this style, uh, one Mr. M, uh, he said, I'm beginning to think that I'm a rap god, rap god. 
another example would be a, a Kanye West album from 2013 uh, entitled Jesus uh, in a song where he entitled I Am a God, where he said, God may be the most high, but I'm a close high. Wow, pretty shocking brag to make. People boast in and brag about all kinds of things uh, in themselves or in skills that they have, ways to puff themselves up in pride, rather than in ways that give glory to God, who gave them every gift and every skill that they have. The gifts are from God. The people that Paul is warning about in our passage this morning, they were boasting in their circumcision. They were saying, this is the thing that we have, this external keeping of the law. This is why God is pleased with us. Well, Paul has his own brag here to bring back to them. He, he gives a sevenfold impressive resume, uh, a brag, you could say. He says, do you know how much it's worth uh, compared with the righteousness of Christ? These, these seven things that I have this resume that I could give you and brag about, in contrast with Christ, it's worth nothing. Absolutely nothing. Worthless. Before, he counted it as gain. Now, he says, it's actually loss. And he is willing to count all things as loss, he says, for the sake of knowing Christ Jesus as his Savior. Do you think that way? Do we say, you know what the most important thing about my life is? Let me tell you what I want to brag about. It's knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. What a thing. Paul had everything. And we'll see that as we look at this text. He, he had it all. He was an insider among insiders. He was at the top of his game, in the top of his field. And then he met the Lord Jesus on the road to Damascus. And it, it changed everything. It changed his relation to everything else and to everyone else in the world. We'll look at uh, three points from this text this morning. First, a boastful resume. Second, a real change. And third, a new righteousness. A boastful resume, a real change, and a new righteousness. And the main point this morning is that no matter who you are or where you come from or how together you think you may have it, trust and rely on the Lord Jesus Christ and his righteousness alone for salvation. No matter who you are or where you come from or how together you think you have it, trust and rely on the Lord Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. Well, let's go first to Paul's uh, boastful resume. Look at this list together with me. Uh, beginning in verse 3, Paul says, For we are the circumcision, who worship by the Spirit of God and glory in Christ Jesus, and put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also. If anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. 
what a resume to put forward. Paul lists here seven exemplary items, uh, seven a, a list of sevenfold boasts, you could say, essentially calling these guys out, besting them at their own game. He's saying, okay, you want to listen to someone with credentials? Here are mine. It's kind of like a bragging contest in which he, he definitely wins. Now, kids, have you ever gotten yourself into a bragging contest? Have you ever said, maybe, my dad is better than your dad? When my brother was growing up, he was really little, and he had a friend that tried to enter into a bragging contest with him, and the friend said, my dad has a job. And my brother said, mine too. And the friend thought for a second, and he said, well, my dad has a car. And he said, mine too. Uh, then he said, uh, well, my, my dad has an office. And, and he said, mine too. Uh, and they, he couldn't really best him at the brag because the, the dads turned out to be very similar. Uh, Paul here is canceling these brags out. He's saying, if you want to put your hope and faith in this, let me show you my own credentials If they want to listen to someone with qualifications, Paul has the clearance. He has the qualifications. Paul is even more qualified to be listened to. This is who Paul is. You could say in one sense that this is bragging or boasting, but this is also just true. This is who the Apostle Paul is. If these guys want to place their confidence in the flesh, Paul has a better resume of qualifications. Let's look at them here. He says, he's circumcised on the eighth day in a perfect accordance with the law, perfect obedience. He's a natural-born Israelite, one of the people of the promise, not just a circumcised Israelite. There's more. He was of a favored tribe, the tribe of Benjamin. He was a Hebrew of Hebrews. Uh, At this time, many Israelites had, had given up speaking Hebrew Uh, Many of them had exchanged it for the dominant Greek of the day, but Paul's parents made sure he continued to speak and know Hebrew and Aramaic so that he could read and understand God's word in the original languages. Not the Greek translation, the Greek Septuagint, but the original Hebrew. Uh, Kent Hughes, one uh, commentator on this passage, uh, notes that these first four qualifications, these are all things that Paul was just born into. He, it was status he just had naturally by birth. Uh, but these next three qualifications are things he went to earn. Uh, he said that he's a Pharisee. Uh, this was a popular movement of the Jews uh, of the time who sought to strictly keep the whole law, something like 613 commandments, and then even more traditions on top of it. They're saying, we're completely blameless. We're going to keep all of these things and bind ourselves to them. As to zeal, Paul says he personally persecuted Christians. Now remember, uh, Paul is Saul. He's the Saul that uh, stood by at the stoning of Stephen, holding the jackets of those who stoned him in approval of, of those who murdered Stephen. Remember, Saul is Paul's Hebrew name. Saul is Paul in Hebrew. And then finally, he ends this list by saying that as to righteousness under the law, he's blameless, perfect. Uh, 
It means that legally no one could bring a charge against him that would hold up in a court of law. He had a perfect external righteousness record. Uh, Even if he had committed some sin, there are provisions in the law to make those sins right. Paul had gone through them. No one could bring anything against this man. He was blameless. What a boast. Insider among insiders. A man at the top of his field. This, This would be like someone from our own day who went to the top Ivy League schools and their parents are on the names of City Hall. Uh, They have a family name, generational wealth. Uh, They went to the best colleges. They get invites to the top dinners with the the elites of our day at the White House and things like that. Paul was not a nobody. He was a somebody. And he was a somebody in an important group of somebodies. Which makes the fact that he gives it all up even more striking. It brings us To our second point, a real change. Look with me at verse 7. Paul says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss for the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Paul gives it all up for the sake of Christ. The immeasurable greatness of knowing this man, Jesus Christ, is his Lord. And in contrast, everything else just seems superfluous, worthless. To hold on to a list like this that seems so impressive with worldly eyes, it'd be like gathering pennies in a wishing fountain. Kids, do you know what a wishing fountain is? those fountains that you throw coins into. Imagine that you were going to gather some coins out of a fountain like that. There are all these pennies, but in the middle of the fountain, there's a giant gold bar, solid gold. Which are you going to go for? Think, oh, I think I'll, I'll gather up these pennies. I'm happy with a bunch of pennies. No, you're going to go for the gold. In contrast, the pennies don't matter at all. They're worth nothing. Worthless. Paul moves all of the gain and prestige that a list could have offered him in this world. And he puts it in the loss column. He says, worthless. Paul has experienced a real change. He met the Lord Jesus and it changed him. Jesus asked him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Saul responded, who are you, Lord? Now here, Paul says, this is my Lord. He claims him as his own, of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord. That's what he says. Have you claimed the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord? Or is he just maybe your parents' Lord? Or maybe he's your friend's Lord? But is he your Lord? If he is not your Lord, then your priorities are going to be skewed. The things that you desire and trust in and work towards, they're worthless. And you are in grave danger. But if you know the Lord Jesus Christ and you've trusted him as your Lord and 
his righteousness, then your priorities, they're radically reoriented. A real change has occurred in you where you were brought from death to life. You were given a new heart, made a new creation by the living God. That meeting on the road changed Paul's relation to his God, to his world, and to everything, to everyone. Now he he counts them all as rubbish. Uh, In the Greek, this is a much stronger word. It's a word that is for for dung or doo-doo or garbage. You get the idea. It's, It's poop. It's what it is. And Paul, he flushes this great list of acumen that you could look at and go, wow, what a list. And he flushes it down the toilet. He says it's worthless, worthless in comparison with knowing Christ Jesus as Lord. Maybe you think it's a little inappropriate to use that kind of language in the pulpit, but that's the language Paul uses here. He says elsewhere not to let any unwholesome thing Come out of your mouth. But here, Paul is not afraid to call a spade a spade. And he does so with strong language. He is combating a self-righteous gospel that is dangerous. It's fire. It's opposed to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He was not afraid to even shock these Philippians a bit by, by using maybe even a curse word to say, this is rubbish, garbage. He throws it away, scrapes it off the table like table scraps. He chooses Jesus every time. Even if it's between saving his own life, Paul chooses Jesus. He's going after the gold because it's worth it. What is the thing that you want most in life? Think for a second. What's the thing that you want most in life right now? More money, more power, to be respected. Maybe a family, maybe children. The next best gadget, maybe a new toy, kids. Don't you always want a new toy? Maybe to be well entertained daily, on a daily basis, maybe even an hourly basis. We need to be well entertained. If you think about it for a moment, you probably know what your idol is, that thing that you want more than the Lord Jesus Christ, more than following and obeying Jesus, you want this. Paul wants Jesus. That's who he wants most. He's willing to lose everything that he might gain Christ and be found in him. What a gain! Paul reminded us uh, in Philippians 2 that the time is coming when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus is coming back. Everyone will confess it. Every knee will bow. But not everyone will confess them as my Lord. He won't be their Lord in that sense for everyone. Is he yours? Listen. The thing you need most in this life, in this world, is the Lord Jesus Christ and His righteousness. To know Him, to be found in Him 
at the day of judgment, to be clothed in his righteousness, a righteousness that is not of our own making or own doing, but his alone. That may not be your greatest want, but it is your greatest need. Well, that brings us to our third and final point, uh, a new righteousness. Look at uh, verse 7. Paul says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God that depends on faith. The Apostle Paul had a perfect external righteousness, blameless under the law, legally blameless. But that's not what he needed. He needed the righteousness of Christ. Uh, An alien righteousness is is a technical theological term. Kids, when you hear alien, what what do you think of? Probably a, a space alien. So that's what I would think of, a space alien. This alien righteousness is not a space alien righteousness. It means outside of us. It's a righteousness that does not come within us or from us at all. It comes wholly from God. It's holy Christ righteousness. does not come from us one little bit. The righteousness we receive by faith in Christ is His alone. And it's given to us as a gift. Uh, There's not a single part of it that we worked toward and contributed to. The righteousness by which God accepts us into heaven is 100% the Lord Jesus Christ. This, This is serious. It's only His. And it's only on that basis that you can enter into heaven. Because God is a holy God. He is looking at us clothed in the righteousness of Christ, His beloved Son. There's nothing that we could do to add to it. We can't maybe do one good thing or or a very, very good thing that would add to this righteousness. Jesus is the way. He is the only way to God. He is our second Adam who obeyed God perfectly as our representative head. He gives us His righteousness. Not just a a perfect external righteousness of the law, although Jesus had that. He was blameless under the law. But when God looked at the heart of Christ, it was perfectly blameless, perfectly obedient, every second of every day. That is what Christ gives us. We can't lean on anything on a resume we might Uh, conjure up that would help us to get into heaven. We can't say, well, Lord, I, I was a part of this denomination. Does that get me in? No. Doesn't help. Well, God, I, I was part of a Christian family. They, they did a lot of things for you. Does that help me get into heaven? No. Not at all. What about, Lord, I did all these things in your name? No. Not look at my faithfulness. The thing that gets us into heaven is Christ's righteousness alone. 
Look at him and his righteousness that is given to us. Our self-righteousness is as rubbish, garbage before the Lord. Christianity is not a works-based system. It, It seems so clear here. That's why people like Martin Luther, as they were preaching through the Bible, uh, he had more and more difficulty squaring away these doctrines of purgatory and entrance into heaven by good works. The righteousness that we have does not come through our own obedience to the law. It comes through Christ's. It's a gracious gift, and it's, it's not one that we deserve. Everyone who is here this morning, myself included, we deserve to go to hell. It's what we deserve. We are sinners. We have sinned against a perfectly holy God. We deserve his judgment. But he's provided a way of salvation. If we put our trust in Jesus Christ, he is the way of salvation. He saves us. We don't save ourselves. He saves us. That's the gospel. We need this Lord Jesus Christ. We need his spotless righteousness. But we are sinful. And it's easy to slip into thinking, well, maybe I'm a little bit righteous. Maybe some of these things that I do for the Lord, maybe he's a little bit pleased with me because I do this or that. That's dangerous. Remember this morning I opened with a blasphemous quote from a rapper that's a little shocking. You think, whoa, saying you're on par with God, that's, that's shocking to say. Brothers and sisters, when we rely on our self-righteousness, that's just as shocking. It is just as offensive to the Lord who's holy to say, this righteousness that is as filthy rags should be passable before you. We need the righteousness of Christ, the righteousness that comes from God through faith in him. God the Father sent His only begotten Son to provide that way of salvation. He took the punishment that we deserve, and He gave us His righteousness. So what do we do when we slip into sin, when we slip into thinking this way, into trusting our own self-righteousness, our own resume before the Lord? Turn again to Christ. Repent. Rest again on His perfect righteousness given for you. And let that also help us treat others with charity. Remember that we were given this righteousness as a gift. It's not something that we deserve. So when we can begin to think that we're maybe a little bit better than someone else because we're a little bit more righteous, remember that We are just as in need of the righteousness of the Lord Jesus as anyone else in this world. Something that can be easy to forget, but we have to remember, because that's the gospel of grace that we've been given. Every person who trusts in Christ is a sinner who is saved by grace alone. Not by their righteousness, but by the righteousness of Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you for the righteousness of Christ given to us. And Lord, please forgive us for the many ways that we can slip into thinking again that 
we have a list or an acumen that can make us approvable and acceptable in the sight of a holy God. Lord, we forget the holy God of the Bible. Lord, help us to turn again to the perfect righteousness of Christ, to rest wholly in him, and to turn away from sin out of obedience to Christ, out of love for what we have been given, uh, and joy as we seek to love and and serve one another. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen.